Welcome, everyone, to Ascend and Transcend. I am super excited for today's guest, Ms. Pam Grout. She is a New York Times bestselling author multiple times over. She's written 20 books, and her book, E Squared, was a pivotal point in my spiritual journey. It was a turning point to really feeling like it wasn't just me walking around in this meat suit doing things on a daily basis. There was a larger universal energy that was really guiding me and aligning things for my greater fulfillment. So welcome, Pam Grout. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I'm so excited for our conversation. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, so first off, for anybody who hasn't um, already read any of Pam's books, um, the first one that I was introduced was E squared. And this was really a game changer. And you will be able to describe it in summation better than I can, Miss Grout. So if you could please just kind of give everybody an overarching summary of what the whole idea and concept behind, behind E squared is. Yeah, I think E squared really hit a chord with people because while it talked about some of the principles that have been out there forever, I mean, even the Bible says asking you to receive. But I think a lot of the books that you see out there about this topic are theory, like, okay, you think this and this will happen. But what I did in this book is I set up these experiments. I set them up like scientific experiments so people could see it with their own two eyes, how this works. And I think that makes all the difference in the world. It's one thing to give lip service to something to say, yes, I believe um, you know, that this is true, but to actually give the universe uh, 48 hours to make its presence known just kind of changes it for every everybody. And I think people really like that idea because they got involved. I mean, they saw it for themselves. So basically, that's the idea behind it. There are nine experiments, and each one of those experiments presents a different spiritual principle that I think it's really important for us to know. As I said in the introduction of the book, I think this is as important as reading, writing, and arithmetic, and it should be taught along with that in school or even before school because this is it's just the fact, the truth about who we are, and most people don't know that. So one of my big yeah. missions in life, I suppose, is to really just rewrite the beliefs that so many of us have that are so incorrect. So anyway, that's kind of, you know, uh, overturning the apple cart, rewriting the dominant paradigm. That's always what I say is kind of my my mission out here. In the- right. And I know that, you know, it has worked, right? Because it, it has to its law, right? Mm-hmm. That it's worked for so many people. Mm-hmm. And that if you believe in it, um, I love getting clients now. Um, e squared and E cubed are required reading for my clients because I feel like it's such uh, a deep knowing that you have to have in order to really kind of go on this journey of expansion. You have to believe that you're not walking alone. And other people can think of organized religion or other ways to kind of maybe get that faith. But for people who aren't necessarily tied to a specific organized religion, which I'm not incredibly spiritual, not religious at all, um, your book felt like a wonderful guide towards how I could make contact with this universal energy that I had spirit guides. And then to your point, see tangible proof, unavoidable proof that they were looking out for me. And um, it's funny, I'll, I'll share a little story after I read E squared, which came from my writing coach, um, who she, she knows the power of it as well. She said, you have to do this because I was plagued with self doubt. And she said, you just need a little nudge that you're going to be okay. And so I asked to see an orange bus 
which was one of the things, right? Sometimes you say like a purple van or these things. Mm -hmm. And one morning as I was sobbing, driving my children to school, because I just thought, oh my God, like, what the fuck have I done? I left my job. I'm going to start and be a coach. This is never going to work out. I pop over the hill and there's like, you know, 12 school buses, which are kind of orange, not totally orange. So of course my rational brain said, well, that doesn't count. So I even said out loud to the universe, but not a school bus. It has to be like an (laughs) orange bus. And I said, I think it needs to be a VW bus too. So throughout the day I went on, I didn't see anything. And then I had a hankering to go for a jog around my neighborhood, which isn't something I usually do in the middle of summer. You know, it's like 90 degrees here in Southern California, but I did. And I'm going up this hill and up comes this bright, shiny, clean orange VW bus with a guy with a beard with Ray-Bans on. And he just kind of leans out and he looks at me and he flashes a peace sign. And I just started bawling. I get emotional even thinking about it. It was just, there was no way I could talk myself out of that being it. Mm -hmm. I had asked for it. I had seen it in less than 24 hours. And it's so powerful because ever since then, I've asked to see, you know, I call them angel signs. I asked to see these angel signs. My children now have assigned angel signs. We see them all the time. I've seen a million orange buses. People send me pictures of orange buses. Now it's great. (laughs) But it was this, it was a turning point um, because I didn't feel like I had to figure everything out and my life and my business. It felt like there was something else guiding me. So did you feel that way too? How did you come up with this idea of doing these actual experiments? Well, again, I just think it was really important for people to put it into practice. And so, you know, you can say to people, I think a lot of these self-helpy books, you know, they give you exercises to do. And, um, you know, do people really do it? But when you give it to them in this little bite-sized piece, are going to do it. And plus, the first one starts out with, hey, you can have a gift from the universe. So, I mean, who doesn't want a gift and who isn't willing to give up 48 hours of their life to get their gift from the universe? Mm-hmm. So I think because that it was really enticing for people to give it a try. So um, I, I don't remember exactly how you worded the question, but um, why did I do that? Um, I, I, you know, like, was I, this, were these experiments things that you had been doing before and then you finally just put them in a book? Things like that I had been doing. I became interested in metaphysical principles and had been for a really long time. In fact, you know, I've been a writer pretty much my whole life. I was a journalist for a newspaper and then, you know, went on to write books. But the cool thing about being a writer is you, you can do, um, whatever you're interested in, you can write about it. You know, like if I wanted to meet a particular person, I'd get an assignment to do an article about them. If I wanted to go to a certain country, I'd get an assignment to do a travel article about that country. And so um, eventually I'd been so successful using these spiritual principles, you know, that what we focus on expands, that we animate into our life, whatever we put our attention upon. Like, you know, I want to write about that. So, you know, basically, which is me choosing a topic that I love and then deciding to write about it. Um, but as far as developing the experiments, once I came up with that idea, like, okay, this would be so cool to have experiments and I'm going to set them up like mm-hmm. scientific experiments with hypotheses, theories, time things, you know, where it can be disproven. I mean, this is the thing about a scientific experiment it has to be able to be disproven as well. You know, so if it doesn't mm-hmm. happen, you say, well, no. And so you can write it off. I'm like, I'm not trying to beat you over the head and say, you need to believe this. Like, you know, sometimes we hear from the pulpit, right. this is like, this is this cool force that's out there that really is interacting. We always wanted to interact. Bless you, God, you always. And most of us are ignoring it. Or, you know, and, and once you start paying attention, and that's kind of what these experiments did, they just jar you into paying attention. And once you start paying attention, 
you you realize how much is out there and how much we have missed over the years. So I think it's just really exciting. Fact, one of the cool things that's happened to me, like I love your story about the orange bus, but since I wrote this book, I get emails from people all the time and they usually start with, you are never going to believe this. <laughs> and as you notice in, um, in E-Cube that I, you were holding up there, I even have a chapter in there, well, duh, you know, and I tell some of the stories. But I to this day get these amazing stories and it's really um, it's really rewarding for me, you know, to hear that yeah. and to hear all. The, I mean, I mean, every time, you know, I believe we're as Ram Dass as we're all walking each other home. So every time I hear a story, I think it, you know, affirms my belief. Every time I then share that story with somebody else, it affirms. So I think, you know, we're all working together to realize this is the conversation that matters. This is the possibilities yeah. that are really out there. So why are we looking at problems? Why are we? trying to fix everything when really, truly, there's all this beauty out there that we're just walking by every day. Well, and you can feel less anxiety. I mean, everybody, especially this last year, I feel like the level of stress and anxiety, this was proof that I didn't, that I wasn't walking alone, to your point. And on, on nights when terrible things were happening, um, out in society and people dying and just COVID in general and our president at that time, which was very scary. Um, I could take comfort because I would ask to see a sign. And I, you know, at some point, like these books are a wonderful foundation and a framework, but then you just start doing it. You know, you'll just mm-hmm. ask for signs. It's unlimited. Mm-hmm. I need to see a sign that this is going to be okay. And then lights would start flashing, you know, mm-hmm. like I knew that my angels were there and then I wasn't freaked out by the lights flashing. I was just like, okay, thank you for that. I needed that. But on the flip side, I'm sure you've gotten emails from people saying it didn't work for me. So what's your response to people that said, you know, I set this, this goal, and in 48 hours, I didn't get the gift, I didn't see the thing? Well, I often, uh, um, you know, that line from the movie Stripes, lighten up, Francis. <laughs> in fact, I even <laughs> have this little thing that that says, you know, because people do ask that. And so I have this little blog post that are and I'll send them that, them that. But a couple different answers. Um, in fact, I wrote the book after E-Cube was Thank and Grow Rich. It was all about gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I think as we start focusing more on gratitude, these signs become more apparent to us. Because if we're so mad because it didn't work, you know, and that's the kind of thing I'll get from people sometimes. But if you, and, and so also I'll encourage them, well, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. Or, or I don't know that I use the word, I'm sorry, but. Um, you know, try it again. Um, just uh, have fun with yeah. it. I, one of the things I like to say is if it's not fun, it's not sustainable. You know, we want this to be sustainable. We want this to be something that we just do while we're reading the book. We want it, like you said, to be something you continue to do. And so if you do it with a, a playful approach and if you do it like, oh, this is just going to be fun, then you're going to have better results. So that's kind of what that little email says that I send to people. And it was a blog post that I wrote. Yeah. Um, because certainly there are people that will say, hey, this didn't work for me. And then I also get the funny stories about people that will say, it didn't work for me during the 48 hours, but then this most amazing thing happens, like, you know, a week later. Yeah. So part of it is, I always talk about, you know, like, we're on, maybe we're on the second floor and the thing that we're trying to manifest is on the 10th floor. 
So it's really our job to get to the 10th floor and, you know, get on that frequency. And usually that has to do with gratitude. So having fun, or, you know, just lightening up about it and just making it fun, making it a game kind of like, you know, when I give what traditionally I've called workshops, I call them play shops because I think um, our struggle and I think it's going to be so hard is part of our problem. You know, we kind of expect those kind of things and there's all these things wrong with the world. And, you know, if we're looking for that, there's certainly lots of evidence to show that. But we can also believe things are really the universe has our back, as I say, and when that happens, we are going to see evidence of that. So, one hundred percent. And thanking Grow yeah. Rich is another incredible book that everybody should purchase. It's you can probably pick it out there. It's in the black section of my bookshelf behind me, but it's there as well. <laughs> and the aha moment that I had with that book too was: I feel like everybody says, you know, money can't buy happiness, money doesn't matter, and you can think that for a while, but inevitably it seems like we try to, we slip back into this thing of trying to manifest more abundance, specifically that, right? And I love what Thanking Grow Rich did because it feels like it pulled me out of that. And it was back to this place of gratitude. Like first step was asking, trusting. And then another step was really noticing when those things came. And then the other step was having gratitude, whether they showed up or not, because I think to your point, when somebody says it didn't work for me, and then it comes a week later, because they were probably in resistance to it, right? There was something to your point, their vibe wasn't quite in alignment with it. And thanking Grow Rich, I feel like if you're having trouble with some of the experiments, or you're getting frustrated, like it's not working for me, it's working for everybody else but me, you should pick up that book and read that because the title is brilliant. Um, because I think people pick it up like, oh, this is gonna help me manifest more money, like thinking grow rich. But it really is the opposite of that. I love how you eloquently tell us that that isn't where the richness is. Right. So I talk about different kinds of capital in that book, the capital that I think is really much more important, which eventually leads to financial capital or can lead to financial capital. But that's not the point. The point is, I think one of the, um, I talked about overturning the dominant paradigm, one of the most um, parts of the paradigm that I particularly would like to overturn is this idea, this consumers and this acquisition, that somehow that's what we're all wanting. That's what's going to make us happy. It so doesn't make us happy. I mean, you can look at any wealth, not any, but some, you know, wealthy movie stars that are committing suicide or, right. you know what I mean? It's like, it has nothing to do with that. It, but that's the line we're sold. We're, we're sold that bill of goods about everything. So, um, yeah. you know, we, once we let go of that, then we can start really recognizing all the abundance that's around us all the time. I mean, you know, just look up at the sky and all the stars that are up there. I mean, they just go on and on and on. And we can only see one part of this little galaxy and there's, you know, gazillions of other gazelle galaxies. Right. You know, it's just so much bigger than we even recognize. And so I guess we take it from our little tiny vision and try to open it up to more. Yeah. And then we can't help but see abundance. And then, of course, that's kind of how it ends up showing up in our life as well. But yeah, sadly, most people think abundance is all about money, but it's not. Right. And I think some people might try to fool the system too and say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to be in gratitude, but only because Oprah and everybody <laughs> yeah. tells me that what I appreciate, appreciate. So then I'll get the money that way. But that is a mm -hmm. supporting thought, right? As Wayne Dyer would say, that is wrong. And when the supporting thought is out of alignment, then you're still not going to get it. So it's really interesting because I've had a lot of people come to me as well and say, I just want this thing. I just want this and then I'll be good. 
you will not be good because there's always something else. (laughs) There will always be more money. There will always be a better car. There will always be something else. So what I feel like you really did was distill it down to just to your point, just be appreciative of what we have in this present moment, even if it's just nature or the lungs, you know, that you have that are working and a lot of other people's aren't those kind of things. And not as a means to get more shit as a means to just be happy in this moment. Because if we think things are going to be the, the true path to happiness, you're wrong because right, this is all we have right now. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I tried to get that concept for years. And until I read your book, coupled with E squared and doing the experiments and really like understanding that it wasn't just me, that was when something really clicked. And, and then once I stopped caring if I had the stuff, stuff did come. Um, but I don't care if I have it now. If anything, it feels kind of heavy the more you accumulate. Right. Yeah, because when you really, and one of the things sounds like what you really got from the book, and this is so true, once you recognize that you have this ally that always is looking out for you, once you really get that and once you really trust that, why do you even need stuff? I mean, when you need it, yeah. it will show up. I mean, it will just be there. I hear all these stories. I mean, just the most amazing things like, Somebody, oh, okay, here's a good one. I, I've, I've maybe written this. Maybe I even wrote it in one of my books. But this gal was out at the beach, and she wanted. She was out there with her kids, and she decided she wanted to do. Just all of a sudden, decided I want. She wanted to do some kind of ritual with tobacco, a kind of a Native American type ceremony. And she's like, "Oh shoot, I didn't think to bring that." Well, her little son comes running up to her on the beach, and before long, the seagull's behind her and drops tobacco <sighs> right in front of her. The seagull was like flying along with her son. Drops it right in front of her. And it was the exact kind of tobacco that she uses for her ceremony that she does. Or somebody will be out walking in the woods and all of a sudden their nose will start running. And they'll look down and there'll be an unopened box of Kleenex. I mean, I love these stories because, you know, we, we think we have to acquire it and pack it. But whatever we need will be yeah. presented to us if we, do, if we don't block our vision. Because really what we're doing is kind of chipping away all the stuff that doesn't let us see these gifts that are always there. And that's really our work, if you want to call it that, or what we're trying to do is to let go of all that stuff that blocks it. Because what we see is not even really what's there. We kind of see this hologram or this vision. We see what we think about it in here. We're seeing, you know, basically a mere representation of it out there. And people don't get that. They think they're seeing exactly what's there. But part of opening yourself up is then you're able to see what really is there, all this, like I said, beauty and gifts and all that. So um, it's really not about getting something. It's about letting go of stuff and trusting and knowing, just knowing that you're loved, that everything you need will be there when you need it. And there's just no reason to worry. It's just, there's just no reason to give it a second thought. Right. Or to work so hard and do seven steps or whatever, all the different things people do, you know. But I think it takes practice to your point, Pam. Like, I think that you can do it once or twice and then you're like, okay, maybe I'm going to open my mind to believe that there's something bigger and that it's not something I have to overcome. It's actually wind at my back. Um, but I think the more you practice it, the easier it is to believe. So those of you out there who are going to say, okay, well, I want to manifest, you know, seeing a purple butterfly in the next 48 hours or whatever it is. Number one, you have to really look. I love how you say in the book, yeah, it's like a scavenger hunt. You really have to be looking. And uh, another great story, I had a client who was really, really in a valley of her life. And 
every time after our first session, I would say, what's going to be your angel sign? This is, you know, what we do. And she said, I want to see a purple mohawk. And I said, okay, great. Cause I love it when they're like really hard mm-hmm. ones. So that weekend I happened to go to the Santa Monica pier and I saw a guy performing and he had a double purple mohawk. And I sent a picture to her and she goes, yeah, but that doesn't count because you sent it. And to your point, I said, yeah, but now you're seeing it, aren't you? Like it can come from another medium. It can come from seeing it in your children's book at night. It can come from all of these different places. And that's what's so cool. I feel like is once you start getting that, you like pull back a little bit more then you really start to see all the synchronicities and mm-hmm. and that things are just kind of an illusion. I, and when you explain that, I feel like that was an eloquent way of explaining that piece in A Course in Miracles, which A Course in Miracles is a wonderful book, everybody. It's tough though. For me, it's very dense. They're very high concepts. And so maybe you can tell us a little bit about your new book, The Course in Miracles Experiment. Is this a way that you're going to be able to kind of distill it down similar to what you did in your previous books about these high level theologies? Yeah, well, I, I would say all my books that I've done for Hey Hash in the last five books, other than maybe Art and Soul Reloaded, but basically they were all from concepts from Course in Miracles. I don't know that I necessarily talked about Course in Miracles, but mm-hmm. things I learned while studying the Course in Miracles. But what I did in the new book is there's a you know, there's a big text in the Course in Miracles. It's funny because, you know, you go to a spiritual thing. Go, How many people have Course in Miracles? You know, 99% of the people. Yes, I have. It. And you go, how many people have read it? You know, one or two people have actually read it. But then you ask how many people have actually done the, you know, there's this retraining of your mind that it works on. And you know, it's a 365 day. You do it for a year. And then, you know, hardly anybody's actually done it. But it is hard to read. I don't even know why I stuck with it, because honestly, I didn't understand it for the longest time either. And still, sometimes it blows my mind. Like recently, I've been reading this one lesson over and over again. I lose the world from all I thought it was. And that's just a real simple one. I think it's lesson 132. But I've just been kind of reading that over and over again because it has so much depth to it. But anyway, so what I did with the Courts of Miracles experiment is I took those 365 lessons, and I turned them into more funny, more, you know, easy to understand, and just sort of simpler. And I mean, I may have taken a little bit of leeway with with the lessons, but you know, the whole idea is just to let go of all the illusions, let go, you know, rewrite your mind. And you know, you mentioned practice earlier, that's kind of why the 360, I mean, you could get it just like that. And some people do, they just wake up and they see the truth. But for most of us, you know, it does take a little bit of a, a, you know, practicing day and day, because you know, these old patterns are so habitual. I mean, patterns are habitual. So it's just been, we've done them so long, and we've dug ourselves into ruts. So in order to get ourselves out of the ruts, it's just kind of good to do the repeat thing. Um, day after day and it's not asking a whole lot of people it's just like like I kind of start my day and say okay Holy Spirit this is your day I want to see what you want me to see and if the term Holy Spirit doesn't work you know okay dude or what I call an e-squared you know just this higher force this field of infinite potentiality is out there I just make yourself known you know I don't even know what's the best thing for me honestly I don't know the best thing for me but I know you do and I know you're my ally and I'm just going to let you yeah. you know take care of it Right. And it's just kind of a real simple thing to turn it over that way. Well, I'm getting it like immediately. uh, I'm sure that's going to (laughs) be required reading for my clients as well. But I love that too. Greeting the the morning. I think one of the lines in in, uh, a book is like, I'm ready for an amazingly awesome day, you know, or something like that. And 
Yeah, that's from Think and Grow Rich. Yes, from Think and Grow Rich. And we do it as a family in the morning too. We set the intention for the day. And I think that that just does. It puts you in a different mindset. And it's it's this belief that even if your car runs out of gas or charge or whatever it is, that then that's what's meant to happen. And that whoever comes to help you is supposed to be, you know, that's another a messenger of some sort, that it all is for a reason. There is nothing that is haphazard. So in this whole spiritual, you know, kind of wellness community, you've been a huge mentor, your books. I tell people too, if you can't afford to work with a coach or you can't afford to go to a workshop, these books are wonderful. I mean, you can have your own personal coach through all of these incredible books that you've written, Wayne Dyer feels like he's a soul connection, was Gabby Bernstein, who wrote the foreword for e, um, e wonderful. Mm-hmm. But was there one person or an Esther Hicks, maybe it was A Course in Miracles, but was there one person that really kind of helped you along your path as far as leaning into this and not really introducing you to spirituality, but it feels like there's always kind of a tipping point, one person that helps you get over the edge. You know, I am really, you know, I think part of the reason I became a writer, it's like, I, well, one thing, I can't do anything else. <laughs> but, um, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none, you know, I'm just a real dabbler. I've read a lot of different things. I've stuck with Course in Miracles the longest. I mean, and like I said, most of my books are kind of from some of the things I learned in there. Um, but I'm one of those that loves to read all those books and, and do all that. Um, yeah. But I can't think of one particular person or one particular event. I think just, um, I think my greatest strength has been my naivety. You know, I'm just yeah. naive enough to believe, yeah, I can do this. I can, you know, be a freelance writer. I can, I can, you know, be a author. Right. And I, you know, and I call it naivety. It's a beautiful naivety. It's an innocence. It's a saying like, you know, why shouldn't I be able to do it? Because a lot of, you know, we all have our doubts about ourselves, but why not me? Why not me? So I just, and plus, I've been blessed, but I love to write. I mean, I love doing it. And I mean, how lucky am I that I get to make a living and I've, and you know, my whole entire life by doing what I love to do. And I feel so incredibly lucky and blessed in that way. So, yeah. um, so I would say as much as anything, um, I did this whole TED talk and I, you know, you know, it's like, well, what's your one idea to change the world? And what I said was this little notebook, you know, I, I write in it every day. That's, so I, in some ways, I feel like my ideas come straight from, you know, the higher thing. Right. So that maybe is my biggest teacher. And we all have that. We all can be in touch with that bigger thing. Yeah. I mean, most of us think we need a guru. And I'm not saying that doesn't work for some people, right. a guru, a coach, whatever. There's, everyone has their own little path. I, but for me, I've always been such a DIY person that I've always kind of just relied on what was coming through in my notebook, yeah. you know, so. Well, you've um, been, you were definitely in, in hooked up to source energy because as a, a fellow writer, it ain't easy. I feel like I keep waiting to be the channel. You know, everybody's like, oh, it just flowed through. I'm like, yeah, it's not doing that. You know, I'm feeling a lot of resistance to this. So you must really be in alignment then with what your soul is guiding you towards to feel the flow and to feel like, uh, and ease when writing and you do it in such a wonderful way that invokes humor, but also vulnerability and you can see the integrity in the words. So I am a huge fan. I have deeply enjoyed our time today. I cannot recommend to listeners, you know, any more to pick up at a bare minimum, right? We need E squared, E cubed, think and grow rich. And then also <laughs> Course in Miracles yeah. experiment. This is the thing too. It's like, these books 
are life changing. They really are. And so if you can't, you know what I mean, even invest a few bucks in a book or, you know, the audiobook, then you're really missing out because more things will always come, right? Uh, when you invest and you really have this deep sense of relief. <laughs> like, I don't have to figure out this life. Somebody else is driving and I can be a creator, right? You don't, you're not going to be passive. But at the same time, I, it just does, it feels like a huge, massive weight is lifted off your back. So thank you so much for guiding me towards that and towards this new wonderful profession that I enjoy. And you're clearly a light worker. And as you say, I believe it's an E squared for all those who hear the dog whistle, you know, you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. uh, that resonated with me and I'm sure with uh, many others. So thank you so much, Miss Pam Grout. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. It was great talking to you. 